So you saw me come get the big palms, and uh, I thought we should have instructed them if there was ever a day to wave your hands in church, you could have got away with it. I know Baptists waving their hands, you're out on some really thin ice. But it's Palm Sunday, and if you're waving a palm, I think you could have probably gone home and talked to other Baptists, and you'd been all right. Uh, and that song, so beautiful, the words. So, you know, thank you so much for that. Um, I went on the website of the Holotus, City of Holotus's website to look up the Cornival Parade because uh, we are one month away from Cornival. Those of you who are not Holotus uh, residents or maybe new to Holotus, uh, you know that there is an annual parade and a festival that lasts a few days, and there's actually a countdown timer on it right now. And of course, that got me thinking about parades, and it got me thinking about how many videos I have of our church and the different floats that we've put over in over the years. And I was actually going to play a video that has Sherry driving the gray tundra with like a clown, you know, like multiple colored wig on, and I thought, then she will shoot me and never talk to me again. Then there was that one I have of, of Mike Garcia uh, in his big red diesel pulling uh, the float. And me, I remember that Sunday saying it was the only truck that could pull it because it goes so slow and it's just, you know, making fun of his big truck. But regardless, I want you to go into your memory banks and think of the parades you've seen over the years. They typically have fire trucks or police vehicles with their sirens blazing and lights going that kind of announce them coming. There are sometimes horses with riders on it. And, and of course, if you've been in the parade, you've seen what they leave behind. And, and then there, there are the beauty queens that are in the convertibles, or, or maybe they're not so beautiful, but they're in convertibles. And, and then there are classic cars. There are marching bands. There, there are sometimes the Shriners and their little cars or their mini bikes or, or motorcycles doing crazy stuff. And there are clowns. And, and of course, if you come to the one here in, in Cornival, there's somebody throwing candy. I mean, there's almost all always somebody throwing candy or some sort of promotional item. And we all get excited about that because the title for today is everyone loves or everybody loves a parade, right? Tried to think who that was from. Tried to Google it this week. You know, P.T. Barnum, uh, no one really knows. But usually when it comes to parades, people uh, love them. Raise your palm if you've ever marched in a parade. Or ridden in a parade. Yeah. Raise your palm if you've ever watched a parade. You've been on the sidelines. You know, there you go. See, at least we're not talking a foreign language. Drawing upon the other gospel accounts of Jesus' triumphal entry, um, that's in Matthew 21, Mark 11, and then Luke 19. That's, once again, last week we talked about the fact that... Um, the account of the anointing of oil on Jesus, whether it be his feet or his head, is in all the Gospels. Likewise, this is in all the Gospels. But there are different caveats. In fact, in uh, Matthew and Mark, we find that Jesus sends his disciples to go get this donkey, this colt, this young animal that I think Luke adds that no one's ever set on. And... Today we find that Jesus gets his own donkey. He has to basically put together his own parade. But before we read John 
12. I think it's important for me to back up and read for you Zechariah 9.9. This is the Old Testament prophecy that is being fulfilled on this Palm Sunday event or this Palm Day. And uh, you'll understand what the people are shouting. So I think I have that on there. There you go. Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Basically, daughter he, or, uh, of Zion or Jerusalem. He's talking about the entire nation and about the city. The children of Zion, the people of, of God. See your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation. Gentle and riding on a donkey. On a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem. And the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. All right. Now you've got a little bit of context. You've set on it. Now you'll know these words will be familiar for you. So I'm going to invite you. I know you've been standing. Stand with me. It's hard passage not to read when people are shouting about who Jesus is and Hosanna. And you know that word means save or save us now. Verse 12 of chapter 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written. Let me stop for just a second. I, I won't do it much more. Um, I loved one commentator who pointed out, and I thought, why is this so familiar? It's, it's, a, it's almost like the nativity, like one end of the book, you know, one bookmarker to the other end of the book. Jesus' mom and dad came to Bethlehem on a donkey, and the people who came to see him, blessed is you know, this, the king of kings. So, verse 14, Jesus found a young donkey, set upon it, and as it is written, do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him, and they had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they heard that he had been given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So there are really two crowds going on here, maybe a third crowd. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Would you pray with me, please? Father, as we look at this familiar text, in it we see this parade that so many of us have been content in our lives to be spectators. Today you'll challenge us to be shareholders. And Father... Remind us that this parade event is not just on Palm Sunday. It's not just one day out of the year. We are to be proclaiming, to be involved with who Christ is in the world outside of this building each and every day. Speak to us through your word. Help my words be your words. And let your people respond to the word of God. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. So, the first point is spectator or shareholder. 
Everyone loves a parade, but watching is different than participating. True? Yeah, maybe. Okay. As a kid, I remember marching in many parades. In fact, I almost put up the slide. There's a picture of me in the elementary school band carrying the bass drum, swinging away, and I'm totally out of step with all the other drummers. Yeah, I'm so cute. Yeah. I'll cue her up later in the sermon, too. But, and I participated in a few as an adult. There are a couple in the military. In fact, my last year of active duty, I, walked, I marched uh, carrying, uh, help me, I think that's a part of uh, Fiesta where they carry the flowers to the, the, to the Alamo. Myself and a chief master sergeant, you know, the, the oldest, fattest colonel they had on, on active duty and probably the youngest chief master sergeant. So she's like running circles around me. We marched together to carry these flowers. But it seems to be that as a kid, I participated and as an adult, I simply watched. And I wonder why it is that way so many times in our churches. The young people are the ones who are excited about what's going on. And sometimes the adults are just ho-hum. Now, I know we're all young at heart, so that Cliff is obviously not talking to me. But we do get excited on Palm Sunday. We, you might have even raised your hands a little bit with your palm. Um, or maybe you grew up in a church that there was a uh, parade coming into the sanctuary on Palm Sunday. Anybody like that? Okay, yeah. Or maybe, just maybe, the choir came in and, and did a whole processional. Anybody like that as well? No? Some of you are like, what is he talking about? Yeah, they don't do that in Baptist churches. Well, I mean, I, you, you might have seen, I saw a Baptist church because, you know me, I start Googling parade and Palm Sunday. And I watched a Baptist church here in the United States. They all drove away waving their palms out of their cars. Uh, well, that's a modern-day parade, I guess, so I don't think anybody was driving a donkey, but, you know, here we go. But even these parades that are in the sanctuary or outside coming in are internal, and Christ calls us to be external, to be in the world but not of the world. The spectator sees his brother in need and does nothing. The shareholder sees the brother in need and does whatever they can with what they have. The shareholder opens his heart and helps. Christianity isn't sitting back on a comfortable pew and watching a few people perform on Sunday. But so often it is reduced to that. I went to church today. And I did nothing else the rest of the week. Shareholders have skin in the game. I don't pay attention to the stock market, but somebody in here surely does. Who took a tank on Friday? Anybody know? Any stock market? I, I know I'm out on thin ice once again. If I answer that, the preacher must think I'm very materialistic. Let's just say whatever you have invested in, let's say you had... A bunch of money in the bank, and all of a sudden, the bank failed, which happened out in California, correct? Wow, you're a, you're a stakeholder. You got skin in the game if you lost money. 
And that's the way it should be with our faith. Skin in the game. I, I, I am invested in how the church works, grows, leads, impacts the community, not just on Sunday. Yeah, it's great to have a great crowd. It's great to have great music. It's great that Cliff kept us awake or whatever. I got a good cup of coffee, maybe got a donut in the back. That's all fine and good. But what have you done with your faith Monday through Saturday, Sunday to Sunday? So shareholders have skin. I, I, I know I'm using the illustration of a parade in the work of the church. I, I know that. So think of it this way. What am I doing for my church outside of sitting on that padded pew. John writes from the perspective of the crucifixion and the resurrection when he says in verse 16, at first his disciples did not understand all this, only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now, I am not a... I did take Hebrew in, in seminary. It was very close to math in some ways that you could predict it. I took two semesters. Dan, how many did you take two at Southern? One, one semester. Yeah, it, different seminaries have different. And like in Greek, when I had to take Greek, I took two semesters for no credit because I didn't have it in college. Still wasn't any better after two semesters of it with no credit. But Hebrew, I only took one year of. And, of course, there are many things we can learn from our, our Jewish heritage. But one of the things that my uh, kids probably will enjoy, or some of you might enjoy, that obviously they don't use the same calendar or didn't use the same calendar that we use. And the month that we're in is actually the month of Nisan. Not with two S's, one S. No, the month of Nisan. And on the 10th of Nisan was when you took your lamb and paraded it in front of the chief priests because you had selected the best to get ready to celebrate Passover. Most biblical historians and commentators say that it was the 10th of Nisan that Jesus came in to Jerusalem. Can you see the important symbolism and the fulfillment that no longer are we going to slaughter a lamb to remind us of our exodus and our release from captivity, they are going to slaughter the Son of God for release for our sins. And it would be the 14th of Nisan that they would actually prepare the Lamb. And that's the day that most commentators say that Jesus was crucified. And I know it may not work out with our seven-day week, but you get the picture that this was not some random time. Jesus all along in the Scripture saying, My time has not yet come. This is the first time that he actually goes forward into the congreg congregation, into the crowd, into the public, and acknowledges who he is. He is the coming king. Not coming on a big stallion, not some big horse, you know, with, like, like a conquering warrior would come, but coming humbly as a common person would even come, as his mother and father who came, his earthly mother and father, who came into Bethlehem riding a donkey. He fulfilled the scripture. Now, I know that there are so many of you here that have accepted Christ and you believe in him and you know that he came back from the grave and you know that he's coming again. And if you have confessed him as your Lord and Savior, you are a shareholder. 
But shareholders have to do more than being spectators. For the good news causes us to shout Hosanna, not just one day out of the year. Blessed is the King of Israel each and every day to act upon that knowledge, to share that knowledge, to love as we have been loved. Could it be that many of us have difficulties in between the parades? You know, we haven't found that where we fit in exactly, or we haven't been able to maintain the joy of following. And that's our second and final point, between parades. You know, donkeys don't get into many parades. I don't think I've ever seen a donkey in the corny ball. And uh, I even asked Marvelously Made, if you've ever been over here quiet in the mornings or even when the kids are out there playing, they have some livestock. They've, they've got sheep. And uh, when I asked Jennifer this week, I said, hey, could we borrow a donkey? She said, I don't have donkeys. I said, oh, well, one of the deacons said we have plenty in the pews. <laughs> I, I, they didn't. I, I know. It was just a church joke. But don't. Yeah. But the only donkey that I've become uh, friends with lately is Mr. Bill where my mother gets her hair done at, at Ella's out there uh, north of where I live. Uh, there's a donkey in the pen that he's a cookie-eating donkey. And, and if you come up there with, like, my grandson and say, we want to look at the donkey, she'll give you some cookies, and you go feed the donkey. And as soon as he sees that cookie, he comes running. And he's hee-hauling, and, and I think the word is bray, right, or something like that, you know. He is making noise as he's coming, and they have a very unique sound. I don't know why no one's ever made a horn that sounded like that, but that, that would you get out of the way. And I am not a donkey expert by any means, but as soon as I saw him, I think the first time I told my mom or sister, I said, I think he's a Jerusalem donkey. And those of you, I think there's a picture. Do I have a picture of a Jerusalem donkey? Jerusalem donkeys have a cross on the back, and tradition has it that uh, the donkey that carried Jesus, and, and once again, tradition, not historically, I have not proven this. God could do it, I absolutely, but it's, a, it's what people who have them know or have heard that uh, the donkey that carried Jesus into Jerusalem that day somehow was enlightened to know that he was going to suffer and die upon the cross. And he wished that he could have carried the cross for Jesus, but he couldn't. And as Jesus was being cross crucified, he couldn't even look. But God saw the donkey's pain and said that he would put the shadow of the cross on his body for the rest of his life. And that's why they call them Jerusalem donkeys. Now, I think we all stand in the shadow of the cross. But we need to be out in the light of an open tomb. It's one thing to say, I know he suffered and died, but we've got to get out of the tomb with him and to celebrate him. And to proclaim that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we do that very well on Sundays and Sundays and Sundays, but I'm still worried about those days in between. In fact, so much so I found this poem this week that I really enjoyed. It's from a book uh, by Ann Weems called Kneeling at Jerusalem. And this poem is called Between Parades. She writes, We are good at planning. Give us a task force and a project, and we're off and running. No trouble at all. Going to the village and finding the colt, even negotiating with the owners, is right down our alley. Oh, how we love a parade. In a frenzy of celebration, we gladly focus on Jesus and generously throw down our coats and our palms in his path. And we can shout praise loud enough for the Pharisees to complain. It's all so good, the parade. It's between parades. 
that we don't do so well. We don't do so well from Sunday to Sunday, for we forget our hosannas between parades. The stones will have to shout because we won't. If you missed that connection, that is the Luke account that the Pharisees try to get Jesus to rebuke his disciples as he's coming into Jerusalem and try to, you know, stifle this crowd. And Jesus says, I tell you, if they're quiet, the stones will cry out. Maybe you're a Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade fan. You know, all kinds of parades. I, I know that there are some big ones in New York. And um, the ones that I remember as a kid, I think, were the, the Rose Bowl, or actually it's the one is a Pasadena. I forget the Tournament of Roses, I think is the real, I call it the Rose Bowl Parade. Because as I recall, and if I'm accurate, those of you who ever pay attention, everything on those floats have to be live. I mean, whether it's flowers or grass or bark or twigs or whatever. I guess twigs. I guess once you pluck a flower, it's not live anymore either. It was a live flower, yeah. But in any event, uh, I came across this, this account of a Rose Bowl parade that they were driving along in procession, and uh, it stopped because one of the floats ran out of gas. It reminds me of the hometown I grew up in back in the day. I, th I may have shared this before. Back in the day, the little funeral home that was in my hometown, Jonesboro, Illinois, also worked as an ambulance on the weekend. So, you know, <laughs> nothing like being picked up by the hearse to be taken to the hospital. <laughs> Not looking so good in here, Doc, you know. And, but they did that, and then they washed it, you know, cleaned it up for a funeral on Monday, and they ran out of gas on the way to the cemetery. But in this, yeah, and so embarrassing for the funeral home, obviously. Actually, that might have been Reynolds. That might, uh, Lutz and Reynolds, that might have been the Anna funeral home. But I know my dad told me that story many times because they happened just to coast into the Shell station and pick up gas and go on to the funeral. But this particular parade, I'm talking about the Rose Parade, and, and I tried to find the exact date. I could not. I found a picture of it, and it's an older picture, so I'm, I'm going to assume it's somewhere between the 40s and 50s by the look of the, the the picture and, and the coloring of it, but it was the standard oil float that ran out of gas. <laughs> and I think sometimes, you know, with their vast resources, it was their truck that ran out of gas. And sometimes we as Christians neglect our spiritual maintenance, and though we are clothed with power, we find ourselves out of gas. Like solar batteries, when they're in the light, they get more power. Christians who walk in the light of Christ will have the power to join the parade seven days a week. Stand with me, please, we pray. Fathers, we come now to a time of invitation in this service, and before we share this wonderful meal of celebration, but yet reflection and pain and suffering. If there's someone here today who's never come to know Jesus as their Savior, let this be the moment that they step forward and come and say, I want to profess Christ as my Lord. I want to be able to partake in this Lord's Supper as a believer, as a shareholder, not just a spectator anymore. And Father, I pray that this challenging word from your holy word, would be that which gives us the momentum to make it between Sunday to Sunday, 
living for you in all that we do. Let your spirit move, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.